Hello and welcome to the second episode of Harry's podcast. Thank you for pressing play. Me and the marketing team got together last week and we said first episode was great, seemed to go down really well, but there was something missing. So we couldn't quite put our finger on it. And then Frank, who actually works in HR, but happened to be around the water cooler, said it's intro music. Frank said, when people pay top dollar for a podcast like this, they expect music, funky elevator music. So I hope you enjoyed the intro music that might or might not be still playing. I don't know. Um, If you didn't like the music, then please email in and we'll have Frank sacked or we'll just change the music, but we will probably have Frank sacked as well. I do hope after last week, you got some ideas down and learn a little bit more on where your ideas come from. I do have a confession. Last week, I nearly didn't upload the podcast. Friday morning, I text Ryan, who produces the show, and I said, this isn't good enough. You know, I was I was stressing out. I was thinking, this is the most narcissistic, ego, maniacal thing I've ever done. No one will care. Um, people will laugh behind my back, which they probably do. Um, we, we can't upload this. Um, I'll re-record it again. Uh, And it's too long. I was like, it's too long. It's got to be 10 minutes. And Ryan, in his infinite wisdom, just replied, it is what it was always going to be. Which is just like something you would find out of a fortune cookie. Um, So I kind of laughed at that, loved it, and then realized in that moment, you can't possibly record a podcast, which kind of main theme was talking about not blocking yourself or unblocking yourself creatively and then not release that podcast because there are levels of hypocrisy and that would have been at the top. Just like last week, I want to kick off with talking about the development of the web series that I'm working on. This week I wrote the first episode. It's only four pages. It's rough, but I'm kind of happy with it. I'm happy that it took a little while to write it as well because it took about four days on and off, you know, writing four pages. And obviously that's not flat out. It's kind of a couple of hours every day. And in hindsight, I like that I wrote it like that as opposed to just blasting out in one go. Um, It's nice that I didn't doubt myself through writing it and kind of give up. It was, you know, I was excited every day that that I got it done. And the germ of the idea was essentially a blocked creative heading out into the world and from the outside world trying to piece together things to come up with a story. So that was the germ of the idea. I don't know if it's reflected in the final draft or it'll be reflected in the hopefully in the finished film, but I felt like that was a really good starting off point. The other thing that inspired this episode or whatever you want to call it um, was I remember reading... I want to say I read it in a book on Pablo Picasso, but I probably read it just on his Wikipedia page. I read that Picasso only socialized on a Sunday. So Picasso was so disciplined that he would bank all his socializing and just socialize with like 20 people on a Sunday. So that inspired this four pages as well, hopefully in a cool way. Um, I also wanted to talk about the influences and kind of the research that I've been doing for this this series. Um, 
I'm sure like many of you, when you get an idea, sometimes you dance around it a little bit. You know, you don't you don't fully commit to it and you don't start writing straight away. We all like to do this kind of, you know, I guess it's a form of procrastination, but we do put it down as work in terms of we sit down at the table and we write shows that our ideas like or, you know, books that might have inspired it or, you know, I don't know. You just throw everything down and, and hope that you're getting somewhere. You know, they're like little stepping stones to actually starting the work. And so for this show, which at the moment is called The Harry Show, which again is bordering on uh, narcissism and egomania, but again, just a working title. Um, I'd written down a lot of stuff that was based in sort of reality but was hyper real as well so for example i really love the short stories of etgar carrot who's this fantastic israeli writer who has really inventive things happen in his short stories. so for example he has a short story where he himself is trying to write a short story and terrorists break into his house and tell him to finish the short story and it's just a brilliant setup for fiction and, you know, to make you keep reading. So he he does things like that, but he started a non-fiction book um, called The Seven Good Years, which was about his relationship with his, um, his son that had just been born and his wife. And so it was kind of flipped on its head in terms of he was writing more from a non-fiction point of view, but inventive things were happening in his non-fiction. So I really... I was inspired by that because obviously with short films on low budget, you can't really do what he does in his fiction because so much kind of crazy stuff happens and you would need a you'd need a budget. But the non-fiction side with a little bit of flights of fancy, that's kind of where that's kind of the sweet spot for me. Um so he was kind of he was someone that I wrote down really early. There's a writer called Simon Rich, who again is very inventive and does interesting things like he'll write one of his famous short stories in the new yorker was from the point of view of a, an unused condom in a teenager's wallet and it sort of tells the life of that unused condom which you know is brilliant the other guys that were sort of i'd bought the stuff for on amazon just because i thought this will definitely be a source of inspiration was three autobiographical um comics um, or comic book writers there's uh, Chester Brown Joe Matt and uh, a Canadian guy called Seth and so these three guys are part of like a collective in a way because they each appear in uh, their own work so Chester Brown will pop up in Joe Matt's work and and so on and so Joe Matt has a series called Peep Show which actually the UK comedy show Peep Show took its title from uh, Sam Sam Bain sort of openly admitted that, that they stole the title off Joe Matt. And they're very um, kind of mun mundane almost, but they deal with issues that we all deal with. And I, I love that about them. Um, also, Harvey Picar was somebody I wrote down um, because I was on a residency. And when I pitched um, an idea for another show, um, a producer there said, you really need to check out Harvey Picar. I think you'd really like his work. Again, very based in the autobiographical um, 
and and not knowing where the autobiography finishes or starts, which I, I'm really into at the moment. Um, another person I wrote down was Adrian Tomini, another kind of autobiographical autobiographical cartoonist who's very popular. So you you've probably heard of him, but his his artwork is you know stunning, and um, he sells framed stuff of his work for a reason. You know they are it's really visually beautiful stuff, and I am I am drawn to minimalism and uh minimalist artists like Jim Jarmusch and so cartoons um or comic books graphic novels what you want to whatever you want to call them they do appeal to me and I think as well as filmmakers it is good to look at um you know visual work like that because it is visual storytelling and a lot has to be conveyed in a in a panel in one frame and that's really our job Anyway, that's what we should be doing. We should be conveying information, um, you know, visually. So that's been a really good place to start. Um, a book that I need to mention because it was possibly the, one of the biggest influences on, uh, you know, what this series will become is a book called Reality Hunger by a writer called David Shields. So Real- Reality Hunger was kind of a big deal when it came out because it's it's a manifesto about realism and and truthfulness in in art and culture and so david shields was kind of fed up with novels and and fiction and wanted to explore why he was bored with that and why why sort of why he wasn't being entertained by certain types of storytelling and so he explores this and the whole book is essentially saying that we now need more realism and we need we we crave more reality because as audiences we've become smarter and we we kind of we're not tricked as easily and we don't we don't buy what we're reading or we don't buy what we're um watching uh for example you know if you ever watch a show from 30 years ago it's just you know, not not just on a production value level, but in terms of the storytelling, you just don't, you're not as engaged, I don't think, because you can kind of see that it's all false and you can't really get immersed into it. Whereas now when you watch stuff, you know, on Netflix or, you know, wherever, it is a, it's a, there's a bit more reality to it. So he, the book is interesting in that it's written in um, kind of bullet points. It's all just, you know, 300 bullet points or whatever it is and the they're really interesting so you can dip in and out of the book and it can give you something to think about in terms of realism and how to add realism in in work so that was that was one that inspired this because i for this series i kind of want it to be a little bit like documentary and i want to push the realism as far as i can go to the point where one of my early notes was um, it should feel like a camera's been left on, um, which I think is a nice kind of idea to carry forward with it and, and see how I can how I can do that. Um, but then it's tricky because if you have that realism, you know, if you think now of a, a piece of work that's really real to you, it's hard to make that a comedy. And... Sometimes when you have things that are meant to feel real, 
and they're meant to feel, you know, very funny, you can also sense that, well, it, it is a film, you know, mockumentary, for example, we know that it's a fake documentary and we're kind of, we're in on that sort of part of the deal. You know, we, we know that it's not real. Um, and so, so they've been the influences really autobiographical comic book writers, David Shields. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's the jumping off point. The first episode or what, what might not be the first episode because, um, it is set, some of it is set in a coffee, coffee shop. So I don't know with current guidelines, you know, when we'll be able to shoot in a coffee shop, but I'm glad that the first one's written because my goal of 10 sort of becomes a little bit more achievable. I kind of regret saying 10 um, now after last week. I wish I'd said six, but I think if you shoot for 10 and you get six, then that's that's amazing. Um, I have a few more ideas that I'm going to draft this week, and then I'll hopefully have three episodes to to sort of choose from to see, right, which one is, is the goer for for when we can go out and we can shoot something. It's nice as well because then when I have those three scripts, what I what I hope to do is I can hopefully rewrite them so they kind of speak to each other a bit more. Because when we did early days, it was kind of we'd I'd write one, then we'd get another one down, and then we'd get another one down. And by that point we were kind of shooting. So I think when we started shooting early days, we still needed to write like two of the episodes, which which is not ideal. Um, I know last week I spoke about being a bit more reactive in terms of having something written and, and then shooting it and not knowing necessarily where it's going to go in a couple episodes time. And I still want to do that. But I think what would be nice is with the first two, three, four, have things in each one that kind of... Um, you know, set ups and payoffs so they kind of speak to each other. And I think that would be that'd be a good idea. So that's where I'm up to with the ongoing series, which might or might not be called The Harry Show, um, depending on how narcissistic I feel putting a show out called The Harry Show. I just wanted to, there was something about it, something silly about it, where I did want my name in the show. Um, which again sounds really arrogant, but I just love the idea that there are certain people that have a a brand and it's just there and it's upfront and it's the Ben Stiller show or it's the Gary Shandling show, and um, I wanted I wanted it to just be out there front and center because that's obviously a big part of the show. Now I might decide in following weeks that's a terrible idea. Maybe you can message me and go that's a terrible idea. But we'll kind of see, you know, as well, like when when it's shot, it might not feel like being called that and that might be ridiculous. But at the moment, that's that's the working title. And I am notoriously bad for um, for titles. Um, the last thing I wanted to say in terms of inspiration and research that hopefully you can apply is I made a conscious decision not to be influenced by television or um, not really make a list of films because I think I've done this in the past and I, I think a lot of filmmakers are guilty of this. You you write an idea down and then you suddenly jump to the touchstones in that genre. So, you know, if you're going to write a science fiction film, 
you suddenly go Blade Runner or a serial killer film, you suddenly go Silence of the Lambs, Seven. And you're already starting off at this terrifying disadvantage because you're comparing your idea to a masterpiece before you've even started. So what I've done is I've gone the other way and I've gone, right, let's go to cartoonists and let's go to short story writers. And so there's not that there's not that intimidation and I know that it's probably going to set me up in an interesting way and I'm going to head down a different path than if I just wrote down a load of TV shows and a load of films. Um, I can I think that's kind of reductive and again, it might work for you, so I might be talking rubbish, but I would say try and find inspiration from somewhere else. I wanted to talk about the last few weeks I've been going on webinars and I think these webinars are brilliant. I really recommend them. I've been using Sundance Collab, which is amazing because the the webinars and the material on there would normally cost, you know, $100 a pop. So I would recommend Sundance Collab. And I'd also recommend the webinars that Screen Skills are doing and the BFI network are also starting to roll out. Um, I really wouldn't sleep on these webinars. I would I would sign up and I would get doing them because I found a few little cheats. So I was a bit cynical at first because I thought, you know, I don't need to do a webinar. It's a waste of time. And sometimes they do feel like a waste of time because they are an hour or an hour and a half. But you will get one, two, three little nuggets in that time. And the thing that I've done to make them even more productive is turn the camera off, open a a page or a document that you're working on. And I'll normally just um, write down whatever, you know, try and be productive in that time, or I'll rewrite a script whilst I'm listening to the person on the webinar. And the other thing I do is I, and this is a bit creepy, but I needed, I needed to admit this. I normally find out who the other participants are if you can see that. And then I just search them on Twitter and see if there's anyone worth connecting with, anyone interesting. Because if you think about it, it is kind of like a virtual networking um, you know, room. And so I've connected every webinar I go on, I try to connect with about five people that are taking part in in the webinar. And that came about through accident, really, because I was on a, I was on a comedy one. There was a, a comedy consultancy um, kind of duo in London, and they had a screen skills webinar. And someone reached out to me on that, and I thought, well, if these webinars aren't really that helpful, at least meeting people and connecting with them, then that's going to be helpful. I uh, I did one. Um, a few days ago that was with a comedy producer and that was kind of it was worth doing because I learned two or three things like um, he recommended a book called uh, Elephant Books by Sheldon Bull so I wrote that down I thought he's really recommended that and he's in development he was working at Hattrick Productions and so he recommended that so I'll check that out but besides that it was very sort of you know his advice was get an agent his advice was you know write scripts keep writing scripts, get an agent, you know, do Edinburgh Fringe Festival if you can. And then when you've got your agent, 
um, you know, pester production companies. So some of the webinars do make you cringe and, you know, eye roll from time to time because it is very simple, basic stuff that you're like, do you not think I've thought about that? Do you not think I've thought about getting an agent? Um, but I would recommend them because you can you can kind of make them productive for you. It carves out an hour, an hour and a half in the day where you can, you can use it as writing time and sort of networking. Um, I did one on the Sundance Collab website, which wasn't live, but it was a short film programming one. So the, the guy who's in charge of programming the short films at Sundance, he was talking through the process of what they pick, why they pick them. And that was really interesting. Um, I've done a BBC Writers Room one that was that was good, um, and then the BFI ones, which they seem to be the best uh, at the moment. I did one with uh, Nick Rowland, who's just done Calm with Horses, and he was talking about um, obviously the making of his first feature. And then I did one with Clio Bernard, and that was interesting for me because obviously her work is very uh, realism and and sort of documentary influenced. So I just wanted to put that out there, sign up for the for the webinars. I think they're great and they will make you a bit more productive. Um, so what has been on my mind? The three things on my mind this week, creating your own syllabus, uh, multiple choice procrastination, and most importantly, I think this week, um, a thing I called what, why, how. So firstly, creating your own syllabus. So during this lockdown, we've we've obviously got time on our hands and I've been trying to create my own sort of film school module. Um, I've been writing down sort of books, podcasts, little things that I think are going to develop me and help me out. And uh, I guess my main focus, the thing that I am trying to improve on is I'm trying to improve my prose. So I've been reading a couple more novels. I've been, you know, analyzing short stories. Um, and I got a book in the post called The Art of Fiction, um, which I went on Reddit and I saw a lot of uh, Reddit posts about how to improve your prose. And quite a few people were, were recommending this book. So got that book and I'm halfway through and it is it is really good and it's helping me. So I guess what I'm saying is what what would be on your syllabus at the moment? So you might want to know more about lenses or lighting. And so jot down those podcasts, jot down those books and, you know, create your own syllabus, your own lockdown syllabus. Um, I think I think that's important. You know, we, we all want to develop in this time that we've got. And that's a nice way of focusing it. Um, the second thing that's been on my mind, multiple choice procrastination. I've been having this thing um, and I'm sure it's not an uncommon thing where I know I've got time because we've all got time on our hands and I think, okay, I'll do this. And then I go, no, I want to do this or no, I might want to do this. Like I'll have like ABCD things. So I'll go to sit on the couch and I'll go, oh, I should write, but I really want to carry on reading that novel because I want to finish that novel. But then I also kind of want to watch this, you know, film. And then I also want to listen to this podcast. So you've got like four or five things that are, competing with your attention when really deep down you know you should be writing like you you kind of always should be writing but then that's not a very healthy mindset to get into either so 
I, I'm trying to come up with a a filter and I haven't solved it yet. And when I do, I'll share it where it's easy to know what to do. You know, A, B, C, D. Well, it's obviously it's B. You know, it's obviously you've got to write because you don't always have to write. You know, sometimes there are times for that podcast and sometimes there are time for that film. And I'm going to try and come up with a system where it's, you know, the answer is easy. I mean, if anyone has a system, please, you know, email me it. Um, and then lastly, and most importantly, I think something that I'm proud of is I think about this thing called what, why, how, when I'm coming up with an idea or a project. And it's very simple, but I've not really heard anyone talk about it. And I kind of like it. And I like the idea of copywriting it. But um, so it's, it's basically when you come up with a project or a film or a story or it's it's what is it so you know tell me what it is what's what's the premise what's the idea then why why should you be telling it why is it important and you know why should you spend part of your life on it so the why should be strong and then and then how so how are you how are you going to execute it or how is it different um so, for example, I think the how, if you think of 1917, you know, the how, how they did it was a big part of the, you know, the marketing of the film. Um, and you see that now more frequently, you know, especially around award season, like the how, how they did something or the, the narrative behind the filmmaking um it's always like this big deal. And I think weirdly, the um, Alejandro Inarutu, he's he's become kind of symbolic with it in terms of Birdman and The Revenant. Sort of the how in terms of the filmmaking has become this this big deal. And um, But getting back to the what and the why, I think when you are, I think when you, t- when you think of bad filmmaking or bad storytelling, the what is all they've got and even the what isn't that interesting you know in terms of like if somebody was to pitch you their idea and go oh well i want to do this you kind of go okay well you know that sounds kind of it could be good but they've not really given you enough to really sell you on it um and i've been thinking in my own work you know what is it so in terms of my ongoing series i want it to be um you know a comedy show that's relatable and about everyday life and is also inventive structurally and just something very different from the norm that you see online because that's what it's going to be it's going to be an online internet comedy show so that is the what then the why is because you know it's very personal to me i'm going to act in it um why in terms of that that's kind of what i want my career to be me performing in my own work you know i kind of want that to be a big part of my career so the the why is strong there and then the how which i'm still trying to figure out the how is obviously how i'm going to make it and i'm I'm going to try and make it feel real and and different and i'm also going to try and make it feel um artistic and cinematic compared to most of the stuff that you see most of the short form content so i would say with the ideas that you're coming up with um hopefully from last week and going forward if you have any new ideas run it through that filter of what why how 
And also for writers out there, this doesn't just apply to filmmaking or films or TV. It, It can just apply to your script. You know, like you might have a good sense of what you're writing, but maybe you need to put a bit a bit more why in there and a bit more you know make it personal and have a bit more skin in the game and and in terms of the how that is still relevant to the page because you know you might want to do something a little bit different in your script to make it stand out now i don't know what that is but you know that the how of it can really can really lift it up and make it stand out in a sea of writers that have only thought about the what and the what isn't really that engaging anyway. So they're the three things that I want to talk about this week. Creating your own syllabus, you know, go out there, create your own film school module because um, I think it will really help and it will keep you on track during this this crazy time. Uh, multiple choice procrastination that I don't have an answer for. Um, you know, I've improved a little bit this week in terms of I haven't been blocking myself as much, but the thing that has been happening is that multiple choice procrastination thing like every day, like wanting to do four or five things at once and knowing that you can't. And then lastly, what, why, how? Um, I think it's really useful. I don't know where I come come across it, but I noticed it with award season and and it, it is also something they ask you in terms of like funding. You know, if you ever want to I imagine it's just like that full stop, you know, in terms of commissioning and funding and basically prove to us why, you know, because they know the what, you know, you've gone in and you've pitched the what or you've written in what you want to do, what you want to make. But then when you get in the room with commissioners or producers or funding people, they want to know why, like why, why should it be you on this project? So that's, that's been on my mind a lot this week. Okay. That's it. We've done it. We've done episode two. Thank you for pressing play. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next week.